Good Happy morning. Happy Wednesday. Cheers. Oh, there's a hair in my glass. Uh. <laughs> well, at least you've got wine. <laughs> you got coffee? Tea. Because I can't do coffee either. I can't do alcohol oh, or Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's a miserable existence. Uh, you, live in, you live in a miserable existence. No, not really. <laughs> I did see a thing this morning though that was like, we need to stop glorifying coffee and wine, right? <laughs> and you know, start taking care of our bodies. And I just wanted to like, punch my yeah. screen because I'm like, if you can function without caffeine in the morning, I mean, I'm not you're... a caffeine person anymore. I used to be. Um, I should tell you my caffeine story because it's totally, it's, it's, it's actually kind of terrible in a in a you know in hindsight kind of a funny way hey tim and steve are here hey guys um so i i was never a coffee drinker but i used to drink mountain dew like water like it was so Mm. bad and um this is when i was working third shift in a printing factory and i would i would buy a 12 pack of mountain dew on my way to work um you know in the evening i worked 11 11 to 7 11 p.m to 7 a.m and by 7 a.m i'd have if i'd usually have drank almost if not the entire 12 pack because you're working in a factory you need you know it's always hot you're always sweating you're always thirsty so i was just drinking mountain dew like crazy and um i remember one night i same routine went to the gas station on the way picked up a 12 pack went to work threw it in the fridge was working and at some point throughout the evening i ran over to the fridge to to grab a, a mountain dew and i cracked it open and i just started chugging it like i normally would and i was like God, this tastes awful. And I was like, ugh. And I stopped drinking Mountain Dew. And like, that was the last time I drank Mountain Dew. That was cold turkey. (laughs) Yeah, I went cold turkey on Mountain Dew. I still drank soda after that. It was probably another, like, I don't know, five or six years before I quit drinking soda entirely. Um, So now I, I I don't have anything against caffeine. I just don't drink drinks that contain caffeine for the most part. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think it's necessarily good for you. Um, the reason why, I, I mean, I think you know why I'm not drinking it, but for everyone yeah. else. Um, so my aunt does homopathic medicine and she's actually in town visiting. And um, a couple of years ago, I had some health scares and she like cleared everything up. Long story short, she did like my little diagnostic and I had a like a kidney stone building. Mm. And so she gave me medicine and the medicine is all like um, minerals and herbs and natural supplement type stuff. But she can like figure out which one is going to work with your body to get it back to like an equilibrium. Anyways, long story short, she gave me the medicine. Well, the medicine reacts with caffeine, with alcohol, with mint. So I've been brushing my teeth with my kid's toothpaste that doesn't have mint in it. And I can't take like Advil or ibuprofen right now just for like another week and a half. Uh, it's, it's miserable because if like pretty much the whole thing she does, it like detoxes your body. Right, right. And I've had like migraines and i got super sick when i was in georgia like i'm still oh, so if I, like, turn off my mic and like have a coughing fit that's what's going on like <laughs> i had a fever i was like dying i this morning's like the first morning where i'm like okay i think i'm back and i don't know if it was like reactions from the medicine because you're mm-hmm. supposed to have reactions um because it is like detoxing your body um or like i legitimately picked up something at an airport somewhere which is typical yeah i mean um, airports are germ fests so. but yeah, it it's been um, 
It's been an adventure. Sounds like it's been an adventure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what are we talking about today? So I wanted to talk about quarter four marketing. So we are officially in October. It's October Mm -hmm. 2nd, Mm -hmm. which means it's the start of the last quarter of the year. So we have 90 days until it's the end of a decade. I don't know if anyone, like, has put those two together, like, I thought about that the other day. Yeah, I was like, next year is 2020, end of a decade. And then I was like, eh, whatever. It's just a fucking number. It's true. But like, it just happens to be, yeah, we happen to live in a base 10 society. And so we put significance on milestones like 10 years and decade numbers and round numbers. But it makes me feel old a little bit because I'm (laughs) like, oh, that's like, I can now officially say decades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough have recognized at least two of them (laughs) (laughs) anyways yeah uh, so goodbye to the 20 teens i guess yeah the teenagers (laughs) are over right now it's the shit show that is your 20s (laughs) in my case my 40s (laughs) well do you ever wonder if it would have like if you were born in the wrong era like i strongly believe that i should have been born in like the 20s 20s not the 2020s the 1920s yeah i think it would have been so much more fun i think i would have had a better yeah i would have enjoyed society a lot more (laughs) than now because some days some days yeah anyways kim feel my wife kim feels the same way she's she feels like she's um she should have been born a southern belle (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know so much about a bell she thinks i, she should, I would she have should. been like a black sheep if i was a <laughs> oh she would have been a proper southern lady with all of the disdain that goes with it <laughs> well i mean she doesn't cook and bake so you know there's that right right um when i was out in georgia in savannah we went out to breakfast and um our waitress was, I mean, she was the, and in the best way possible, like she was a Southern belle. She was so sweet, so mm-hmm. beautiful. Like just the way she talked, her mannerisms. And I was like, I want to know you. Like I right? want to be friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Anyways, yeah. uh, back well, to, back to yeah. our topic. Well, you, I do have to say, my wife just posted, you're going to have to make a trip out here, Zara, because we're having a Roaring Twenties New Year's Eve party. So This year? <laughs> yeah, this year. Uh, okay, so <laughs> New Year's is a huge deal for my family. Like, my family oh, yeah? does, like, a giant party, and I've already committed. Well, I committed, like, last New Year's, so I guess. You oh, have to let right. me know, like, a few years in advance. Yeah, we'll give you a pass this year. <laughs> Mint juleps, porch sitting with fans, she says, as a Southern Belle. Like, it breaks my heart that my house does not have a front porch. Like, I sit on my front Uh, stoop all the time. Every time we drive by a house with a porch, Kim is like, why aren't they sitting on their porch? What is wrong with those people? Right. Right. I I 100% agree. I was actually talking to my dad, and I was like, do you think that, like, we could add a porch? (laughs) And I, I think we might be able to if we can get it past the HOA. Yeah. It's going to be a project for another day. But yeah, mm-hmm. like I, and we have mountain views. So like my front looks out to the front range to the West. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you've got a good view. How did I pick a house with Without no porch? A porch. Like, <laughs> how? 
Uh, yeah, Tim thinks he should have been born in the 40s or 50s. Yeah, Steve says if we didn't count the days, tomorrow would still be there. Right, until we die anyway. Right. So, and then yeah. You have no more tomorrows. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, yeah, let's get to it. Quarter four marketing, right? Yep. So a lot of people, this is the busy season for a lot mm -hmm. of people because mm -hmm. it's fall, which mm -hmm. means you're on the tail end of weddings. Like weddings are pretty much done. You're going to start having families. For those who are in like the Midwest, you are going to be having your seniors coming in because their pictures are due typically in January. You have holidays, all that stuff. So quarter four is typically a really good month or a really good quarter for most people. Um, I would say probably October and the beginning of November are the busiest. And then it starts to kind of die off depending on what you shoot. So how do you utilize that busy season? I mean, you should have technically started <laughs> marketing for quarter four pretty much at the beginning of summer, right? Like starting to put ads and stuff, but Knowing creatives, knowing most of us, like we are way behind. I am for sure way behind on marketing. And so my quarter four planning is typically, and that being said, in my quarter four marketing, I'm also looking at my January and February, which are notoriously slow months. But if I market cr properly, I can get a ton of boudoir clients in January and beginning of February for Valentine's Day, right? So that's my my push. And so what are some things that I guess you can do mm -hmm. to get marketing going? Or what are numbers? Like, what are some of the questions, I guess, that you would want to know? Let me rephrase that. What are some questions you would want to know as to how we go about planning our fourth quarter? I think the first question would probably be figuring out how to target it, right? Because you just kind of ran down what the client, the typical client base would be um, for sort of a generalized photographer. But if so, if if a person's a wedding photographer, huh. what is a does a wedding photographer generally transition into doing families and whatnot in the quarter four season? I did. Um, a wedding photographer should also be looking to market to the newly engaged. Mm -hmm. because it's the holiday season which means people are starting to get engaged again right we've got valent or we've got halloween which for some reason you know people think it's a cool weekend to get engaged <laughs> it's not as popular as christmas obviously but then you've got thanksgiving where all families are together so a lot of people who are asking for permission or who want the family to be there for engagements are going to do around thanksgiving and then mm -hmm. obviously christmas is a big engagement so your um, as a wedding photographer, you're looking at, okay, what do I need to put out there so that these newly engaged couples or the couples who are getting married spring of 2020 are looking at me and booking me? Mm -hmm. so that should be one of the things that you're doing. Um, you are transitioning into the family. So for me, I've always shot families. Most of my families have always been word of mouth. One of the things that I do personally is right at the end of August, beginning of September, I start emailing my previous family. So families who have come to me, clients who within the last two to three years have, excuse me, done family photos during the holidays. I email them, say, hey, we've got holiday season coming up. You know, I book up fast. 
let's get you on the calendar and make sure that you have your family day. So that's, that's part of my marketing plan, right? Is emailing as clients. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, but going back to the very beginning of all of this, the biggest thing that anyone should do before they start their marketing plan is set a monetary value of how much money they want to be bringing in. So for example, if you average, let's say $5,000 a month, let's say 10, because that's a round number, it's easier for me to do math, $10,000 a month, your quarter four should be a minimum of 30,000, right? Because if that's, you're averaging 10, but taking into account that it is busy season, you should be at, you should be going for 35 or 40 for your quarter four because you are going to have a busier month in that October. So once you set your monetary goal, then you start breaking it down. Okay, what am I shooting in the fall? And what am I trying to target for the winter and the spring? So for me, it would be, I want to make, let's say, 50000 in quarter four, which is actually pretty close to what I need to make. And then I'm going to get that money from my families, my boudoir clients, and booking future weddings. The other thing that my money is going to come from is Black Friday. So every Black Friday, this is the only time I do any kind of like a deal for my clients is I offer several things. So for my boudoir clients, I offer what I call booby bucks, which is just gift cards. Um, I know. <laughs> booby bucks. That is funny. I actually stole it from a friend. She's mm-hmm. the one who started it, and I thought it was really clever. Um, but what I do is my gift cards are booby bucks for boudoir, um, and they can do – it's almost like a buy one, get one free, right? They get 50% off. It's the only time they're going to be able to get 50% off. So they can mm-hmm. buy credit in increments of $500. So they can do 500 which is equivalent of 1000 mm-hmm. They can do 1000 which is equivalent of 2000 and it goes up from there. So 1500 2000 whatever. My clients that know they're going to keep coming back to me year after year – typically end up buying a bunch of booby bucks because mm-hmm. then they know they can use it for the future. Mm-hmm. And I don't, um, I mean, I put an expiration date, but it's three years. So you mm-hmm. have to use it within three years. Um, and then I also do a special for my branding clients. So typically I do anywhere from 20 to 30% off my biggest package for my branding clients. So my previous branding clients can buy into it and it gets them a little bit of a discount and new branding clients can come in at a lower price. So if they want to do six months, they want to do a year, it's given, it ends up being a significant discount. It's the biggest discount I ever do. Mm-hmm. So I know that a chunk of my money is going to come on that Friday and Saturday because Friday is Black Friday and then Saturday is Small Business Saturday. So I work on making sure that I target those two things. Okay. All right. So we set monetary goals. We figure out what we're targeting. Yep. And, and then you start figuring out what kind of like holidays or promotions around holidays. So Black Friday is a big one mm-hmm. in October. Um, things like Halloween. A lot of people will do Halloween minis for kids because parents are getting them dressed up in their Halloween costume. So if you set up a little Halloween set 
and then get people to come in. I mean, Spiros, this is kind of right up your alley and not maybe with kids, but with cosplayers, right? Mm-hmm. Local cosplayers. If you set up some kind of a spooky set mm-hmm. and then have them come in and it can be, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. They come in for a 10 minute session plus they get one image and then they can buy additional ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people will do those minis um, and we can, we can spend a day on, how to set up minis because a lot of people think that minis simply means shorter time, right. which yes, but in order for minis to be profitable, you have to be doing them back to back to back. So you set out a day or a weekend and you book 20, 30, 40 people back to back. And that's how, so it's volume. It's not boutique. Right. And a lot of people confuse that. Right. Um, minis be super successful if done correctly mm-hmm. but if you're just offering oh instead of my hour-long session you get a 30-minute session as a mini and now i'm gonna cut my price in half that that's not a mini that's mm-hmm. just you giving someone a discount right right so okay uh we got a few comments from steve he says the fall market is so saturated here with ads for mini sessions which you were just talking about and families um and he also says, I've had a lot of the usual, I'll call you, contact you for photos for this time of year, uh, but then nothing actually materializes yep. even after talking to, to them a couple of times. But he says it seems like that's pretty normal. So a lot of people this time of year are price shopping. Mm-hmm. And I strongly believe that if you compete on price, you're never going to make it. You just aren't because people are costly going to drive price down. Right. And quality up. So if you're competing on that bottom ring for price, you will never make it in any profession, not just photography. Mm-hmm. So you need to just stick to your prices, but figure out a way to stand out. So whether it's through partnerships with other local businesses, excuse me, offering maybe a discount to a local business. So for example, if you have um, a coffee shop, I mm-hmm. love coffee shops because it's one of my favorites and it's one of my favorite marketing methods. Um, so the local coffee shop that I love to go to is right by my parents' house. I know the owners and I've done family photos for them for a couple of years now. And so what we do is I do a family photo for them at the beginning of the season, typically at the end of September, beginning of October. We print it big and we stick it in their coffee shop with my information on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then they give out gift cards to their best clients. So people who are there all the time that they see, because their baristas obviously see who's in with kids, who, you know, is wearing what, what are these moms doing? What, you know, what's going on? And so their regular clients get gift cards from the coffee shop that are for my services. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, I have $100 to go to this photographer versus going somewhere else. That $100 is built in into my prices. So, like, I'm okay with giving them a $100 discount because I know they're going to purchase more once they're in the door with me. Mm-hmm. So doing something like that, um, my cleaning company, the guy who runs the cleaning company that I use, He has gift cards for me that he passes on to his clients. He is constantly in their houses. He's seeing who needs family portraits. He knows what neighborhoods they live in, what kind of cars they drive. 
So he gives out gift cards and his are in increments of a hundred to five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. My realtor does the same thing. So this time of year, you know, I'll text all of them or I'll call them up and say, Hey, if you could pick it up a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm slow or I really need to, like, hey, do you know someone that you could recommend for me to reach out to? Mm-hmm. Or things like that, um, to get those people in. Now, where I will caution people, and I do this, is don't try to chase too many squirrels. So pick two, three things that you're really concentrating on for your marketing for the quarter and really do those versus trying 20 different methods. Mm -hmm. Because if you're chasing 20 different squirrels, you're not going to get any of them. Right, right. Be focused. Be focused. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Steve says, um, doing my kids fall picks this Saturday and hoping to put those out there quick to maybe get some inquiries before fall ends. And he says, lucky to have lots of parks around with trees for different looks for fall color. Yeah, that's really helpful, especially if you can find and shoot in the not normal location that every other, you know, portrait photographer in the area uses. Like as an example, where I live here, there's a, um, it's a fireman's park. It's actually the um, state firefighters memorial um park and that's a hugely popular place for local portrait photographers to go and shoot and and it's a great place right but the photos will look samey because you're shooting the same locations that other people are shooting so if you can find your own uh spots and and off the beaten path and and unique locations uh you're gonna have a leg up on folks yep not only that, but it also gives your clients something to look forward to. Because if mm-hmm. they have gone to the other photographers, they've probably shot in all those other places before. Yep, yep, yeah. Um, he also says he's turned down people who um, want like a full family plus a kid session plus all the prints and digitals for like $100. And he says that's normal. And, and that's exactly right. That's the people of all of that's all of the people who are price shopping, which is basically... <laughs> Right. It's um, and you'll get a lot of people who at this time of year because they want the family photo mm-hmm. and family is coming in, um, but they don't want to spend the money. And unfortunately, like there's there's going to be a photographer for those people. Yeah. Um, if you want to do it, then by all means. But if you're doing that, you're I don't know, I I would like even volume photographers won't do that. So I uh, I agree with turning them down. And there is something to be said that like as an industry, we really need to raise the standard of what is acceptable and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And $100 for all digitals of your <laughs> entire extended family that's... plus individual images. No, uh-uh. no, 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 no. No, that's bad. Yeah, and there's, like you said, there's always going to be people who will shoot that. There's always going to be um, people who are willing to work in the lower end of the market, and that's fine. They can they can have that. Um, anybody who wants to work there, they can work there. But by and large, right. um, they're also we've talked about this a little bit before, but they're also going to end up with demanding clients who are more often than not probably going to be problematic clients too. Um, yep. And and the when you move yourself up market, it's not to say that all of your clients are perfect because people are people, but um, right. you're moving yourself out of the problem client area when you move up into 
the higher end of the market and you maintain your price and you basically are commanding the respect and value for the work that you do. Yep. And I, ha- I actually have a funny story about that. Uh, this was years ago. I had, I have, I don't have, I don't even remember if I was like fully back to living in Denver or if I was still going between Denver and Tucson, I don't know, mm-hmm. but it was years ago. I um, had a client who found me. I did biggest mistake of my life. I did a Groupon deal. Mm. I tried it out because they just, we had used Groupon for like the education side of the business with uh, my previous business partner who got me into photography and like for Chimpsy, it worked really great. And they had just been like on my butt about it. Um, And so I finally gave in and I said, hey, like, what is the harm in trying? Like, we'll try it. (laughs) And Groupon can work really great for volume. It can also work like if you structure it correctly. It is a lot of work, but it can work to pull in those clients who do end up spending more money. So I think I had limited it to like 15 Groupons or whatever, sold all of them. And out of those 15, I want to say like six or seven ended up spending about $800, which is, I'm not going to complain from a Groupon client, right? Like I wasn't even expecting that, Mm -hmm. but I had one lady who had bought it and Um, When she emailed me, her um, signature on her email uh, pulled up as one of the main therapists in this area. Like, she has a really great business, and Mm -hmm. it's growing. Mm -hmm. Um, Her husband owns a construction company. They live in one of the most expensive areas in Mm -hmm. this, like, their house was over $3 million. And this is like right out of the recession mm-hmm. um, on this beautiful property. They had a kid booming businesses. She bought a group on. And so I was like, Oh great. Like I've had all these great sales. Like she, like this is going to be the one client that's going to make group on worth it. Right. Nope. And she asked if I could do the session on their property. And I said, yeah, no problem. Like I'll come up. So I pull up and, there's two cars in their driveway, both worth way over seventy thousand dollars. Cause I know cars, and I'm like, oh, like this, this is the good one. <laughs> Long story short, she ended up getting only what the Groupon offered. Mm-hmm. I even did this whole at the time I would do like paintings of your kids. Pretty much, I would put a filter on it and like, you know, use the whatever the yeah the brushes to kind of. Anyway, they looked cool. People would buy them. And I was like, oh, for sure, this is their first kid. Like, she's going to buy this. Yeah, she only got what the Groupon offered, uh-huh. which was a big hit. Oh, boy. Steve says lots of advertising for $50 an hour, unlimited images with this, that, plus, plus, plus. And they walk around with nothing, just snapping the images as fast as possible. <laughs> he says sometimes it's fun to watch because it's so all over the place. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is I will tell you guys about family photos. So, like, I see, and this has nothing to do with marketing, but Mm -hmm. I see so many photographers who, for a family session, they say, okay, it's an hour-long session or two-hour-long session. And then they take the family to, like, 20 different locations. Why? Oh, my God. So, pick one location, Mm -hmm. one background shoot everything there. Mm-hmm. My family from start to finish from when they contact me to final products being delivered are under three hours. Mm-hmm. And I average over $1,200 a family. Nice. Like that's, that's $400 an hour is what I'm making. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, if people are like when you sell something, people are going to be wanting to buy a wall display or an album. If you have five million different backgrounds, it's not going to flow. Right. But if you shot everything on that one background, then it looks great on their wall. And now you can sell them the big family photos and two of the kids alone and then mom and dad with the kids or mom with the kids, dad with the kids. And now you have a giant wall display that you can sell to your clients that all flows and looks luxurious and expensive versus, oh, mom likes the expression of kid number one with this background, but kid number two with that background, and now it looks like crap next to each other. Right, right. There's no cohesion. Just food food for thought. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so with the marketing plan for quarter four, we're setting the monetary goals, figuring out what to targeting, and um, you mentioned a couple of different ideas, like newly engaged couples, going back to your past clients to see if they need to update any of their photos, doing family photos, doing the senior portraits. Um, um, doing If you're doing boudoir, if you're a mm-hmm. boudoir photographer, this is the time to market for Christmas, mm-hmm. anniversaries, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Like those, you know, for Christmas, you want those clients getting in now so that their albums can be ready for Christmas. Mm-hmm. If you want clients to be booking for Valentine's Day, really the last day that I will book someone to come in to shoot is January 15th. And Makes that gives sense. me that. That cuts really close, especially if they want an album. Sure, sure, of course. Um, so, the, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say one of the other things to think about when you're building this this quarter four marketing plan is this relates to what we were talking about last week with um, whether or not blogging and S is good for your website and, and, and SEO. And you want to align your content with your marketing, right? So if you're targeting, right. as an example, if you are a wedding photographer and you're looking to hit these people who are getting engaged, then you have to think about, okay, what are the newly engaged brides and or grooms starting to look at online when they're thinking about planning their wedding and try to provide content around that? Or if you're a boudoir photographer, um, starting to target um, you know, the kinds of clients and, and creating content around boudoir clients. And I don't even, I don't even have a good example for that. But uh, if you're working with content as well, stuff that you want to be able to share on your social media platforms in order to try to connect with and create that relationship with your potential clients, you want to align the content with the marketing plan. Yes, that that's exactly true. And part of that marketing too, right, is writing out those blogs, writing out mm-hmm. that content, creating that content and putting it out there so that it is starting to drive more traffic to you going into the year. I always look at the quarter four marketing as your initial marketing for the next year. Mm-hmm. So setting things into play, just like you said, with the SEO, with your content, so that going into January and February, it's so much easier for you to push forward because now you have this foundation of where you want to go. Right, right. And one of the things that's worth thinking about with this content stuff is that um, a lot of this stuff can be evergreen. And if you're not familiar with what that means, it's just the idea that you create a piece of content that is continuously relevant. Um, so, yes. again, just using the wedding 
um, at wedding photographer and, and targeting wedding clients as an example. If you write um, some kind of a blog post or you create a piece of content that is a checklist or, you know, like 10 things that brides need to know before starting to plan their wedding, right? Like that's a piece of content that the next year when you start retargeting the newly engaged couples again at the same time of year, you can just refer back to that piece of content and reshare it. Maybe you just update it a little bit for the new year with some new advice or you slightly tweak it. Uh, but there's there's not necessarily going to be a need to always create brand new content to go with your right. you you might you you're probably going to want one or two new pieces, but if you're creating quality stuff, you're going to be able to go back into that content pool and pull that up to align with your current marketing plan. Right. And the the interesting thing is that I've actually been using a lot of the same marketing for over the last 10 years. Like, yes, I'll update the picture. I'll change sure. the dates. I'll maybe tweak the wording here and there. Sometimes I look at something and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I offered that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, like once you created, once you have, like, and I always tell people like have a folder on your computer that's marketing. And so mm -hmm. any, even the ones that you make that you don't want to use right away, or you're like, ah, I'm not loving this, like throw it in there because later when you go through it, you might like it, you might have a better way to tweak it. Um, and it could be usable. So, mm -hmm. um, I just, the class that I taught, in Georgia was the five, um, oh my God, I just blanked, five <laughs> strategies, five marketing strategies. Um, and that was one of the things, right? Like marketing isn't hard. Like it's not creative. It's not hard. It's time consuming. Mm -hmm. Like you have to do the work, but if you do the work, the business will come. And marketing, a lot of people think of marketing as like, okay, if I market right now, it's going to equate to a sale. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. Marketing is not sales. Yeah. Marketing is branding. Like that is the closest thing that you can equate it to. It's brand awareness and getting in front of those clients and making sure that you have a service that you can offer to these clients. Some marketing strategies that I've used I've implemented, you know, four or five years ago, and now they're starting to pay off. Mm -hmm. Some of them will pay off quickly. So for example, if you do a Facebook ad for a $150 session, yeah, you're probably going to get some people to book that. But those clients are price shopping, and they're probably going to go to whoever else offers a $150 session next year. Mm -hmm. But if you build relationships then those people are always going to come back to you. As we've been talking, I got an email from one of my clients that I had emailed with the, hey, it's about that time of year. We need to get your family in. She comes in every year. She has two daughters. We do a family portrait, and then we do individuals of her two girls. The session takes me 30 minutes to shoot. And every year she gets a 10 by 20 of each girl because she has these specific frames that like great grandma has passed down that she uses. Um, and so she, she emailed me. She was like, okay, October 21st, is that good for you? Right. I was like, sure, it's a Monday. We can do it, you know? And she will always come to me mm -hmm. because I built that relationship through continually serving her. 
right. versus she can go to someone else who's way cheaper than me and she's going to pay way less money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she comes to me because of the relationship I've built and because right. I stay on top of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think we've got a couple questions from Steve that we need to get to, but I wanted to just uh, add on to that. One of the things that I think people um, really struggle with when it comes to marketing is the disconnect between the time, money, and investment that you put into it now and the delayed response that you get from it. Uh, and and that's right. just the reality of it, like you just described. Um, it, it's because you have to realize that Generally speaking, yes, you are trying to um, find the people when they want the stuff, which is what we were just talking about, right? Like quarter four, okay, couples are newly engaged. They're starting to think about their wedding, right? But they're not even ready to book a photographer yet. The idea is you're creating that awareness that she talked about earlier uh, to be in top of mind so that when they are ready, you are the first person, hopefully, that comes to mind and they want to contact you. What you're trying to do is put yourself in their brains so that when they want the service you provide, they think of you. That's what marketing is. Marketing isn't, oh, here's the thing, I'm going to buy it. It's, I need a thing at some point in my life. What, where do I get that thing? And the first thing your brain does is try to serve up an answer to that. And if you don't have an answer, then you go looking for that answer. But if you can be the answer that the brain serves up, boom, you're gold. Yeah, exactly. Just like when a lot of times people will say, hey, you want to go get a Starbucks? Instead of, hey, you want to go get a coffee? Right, right. And you might not even go to Starbucks, but now somehow, because of the way Starbucks has marketed, mm-hmm. coffee and Starbucks are interchangeable. Right. It's the same with Google, right? Google is search. Nobody says, right. you know, search the internet. They say Google it. You right. Know? Exactly. And, and that's, that's the exact. Yeah. Yeah. It is literally a verb. Okay. So Steve says... Boudoir would be great, a great add-on for us, but it seems like a hard spot to grab a hold of and get into without a bunch of current boudoir work. He says, women seem really reluctant to use someone new for it, even for a free or a low price. And then he adds a so, question. Um, the question is, would it be worthwhile to use Melissa, his wife, for the model since she's willing to do it? Uh, is that good marketing for it? And then he says, I'm trying to figure out the market for the slowdown times in the winter and set up new, next year's marketing material for a full-blown effort. Okay. So um, it is really great that women are hesitant to use someone new for boudoir because here is what boudoir isn't. It's not just sexy pictures. Mm-hmm. And I have had several clients who walk into my studio who have been crushed by new boudoir photographers because they don't know how to handle situations with women. Boudoir is very vulnerable. It's it's not just naked or half naked as far as physically, but like these women are very, very open and honest and they all have issues and they all have vulnerabilities and they're coming to you and trusting you to photograph them in a way and not just photograph them, but create an experience that is going to uplift them. And so if you don't know how to handle certain situations, you can do way more damage. And some of that damage is like irreparable. So I do like the fact that people are more cautious. What that does also do is make sure that the price is high. 
like you can command a higher price when you get your things going. So for me, my boudoir clients are spending anywhere from $2,400 to $4,000 with me. I don't shoot as many of them anymore because I am trying to be more picky, mm -hmm. but it's a higher uh, price tagged item mm -hmm. because of that, because it does take a lot more work, because it does take a lot more experience. Now, using Melissa as your model is absolutely the best idea because one, it, she's going to be able to say, I've done this. And I know how it feels. And I can tell you that I was nervous and I was anxious. So she's going to be an incredible advocate for it. Mm -hmm. And two, what about having Melissa shoot it? Because there is a trust issue with Man. women are more likely to go to another woman mm -hmm. because it's it just what it is, right? We connect on our personal issues as far as motherhood, weight gain, hair loss, whatever it is, mm -hmm. we will connect with other women. It, we feel, even though a guy might understand us just fine, but we as women feel that another woman is going to understand us better because they, they're going through the same thing. Like men don't have PMS every month. You have no idea what it feels like to grow another human. You have no idea what it feels like to birth a child or to have to deal with cramps or to have to breastfeed or to get stretch marks like those are things that other women will connect with because it's more of like this sisterhood thing right, right so having Melissa shoot boudoir or at least be a big part of that experience is actually going to help you sell that product mm -hmm. better um, the other thing I would do is I would never offer a discounted boudoir session as far as oh come in for like a half price thing because it cheapens it Mm -hmm. um, I would offer them for free to select people. So I would approach people that you feel would be good, quote unquote, brand ambassadors for you. So whether it's a personal trainer or a couple of personal trainers, whether it is a therapist, maybe like a um, couples therapist or like a sex therapist, uh, whether it is someone who is a physical therapist or a psychologist, I guess that's a therapist. <laughs> Um, or a hairstylist, right? Hair and makeup. My hair and makeup girl sends me a ton of business because she's done it. She's done boudoir. She believes in it. She's even come to bridal shows with me and book clients for me because she can speak to the experience. So I would find, excuse me, four or five people that you trust, whether they are personal friends or you have some kind of a connection with them and say, hey, I am creating this new brand. We need models for it. Would you be willing to do this for us? And that way there are people who are close to you who are actually going to vouch for you and pull in other people. That's how you build a boudoir business. You don't build a boudoir business by putting it on Facebook for half price sessions. You don't build a boudoir business by doing just random model calls. You need people who actually are going to talk and comment on the experience versus just here's some sexy pictures of me mm -hmm. sorry that just went off on a tangent no i mean that's but that's really important because <laughs> if a person's trying to market for boudoir that's obviously very relevant and and boudoir is such a um uh 
it's a very sensitive thank genre. you sensitive is the right word touchy is the word that popped into my head but that's the wrong word for it because touchy it's not it's not that it's touchy it's that it, it is it's sensitive you have to be sensitive um to that experience and and you're right like men do, don't understand those experiences we literally have no frame of reference for that and I'm by no means am I saying men can't shoot boudoir right, because right. there are several and it's a very different look like I can when I look at images I can tell you when a male has photographed a boudoir session and when a female has photographed a boudoir session because right. it's two different perspectives right and, so and I'm not and like there are plenty of male boudoir photographers who are phenomenal that I would go to in a heartbeat yeah it's it's bringing your perspective to it and and creating your experience for the client and right then the clients that come to you they're going to want that so and that's the whole idea you want your photos to stand out all right no other questions right now we got about 10 minutes so uh if you wanted to give people an actionable set of steps a wrap up like a 1 2 3 4 uh, in short form, what would those be? Okay. So set your price, like set how much you want to make. Um, and obviously set a deadline. So for example, $10,000 by December 30th or 31st, whatever you want to do. Okay. More coughing. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. I, I, um, <laughs> and then you want to pick your two or three, concentration so okay i'm looking for wedding clients i'm looking for family clients i'm looking for boudoir clients let's just say those are your three then you pick your holidays what what are major events going on that can be tied back to your three topics two or three topics that now you can advertise for again the biggest thing the two three biggest things are going to be halloween Thanksgiving slash Black Friday and Christmas for the fourth quarter. Um, and then from there, start breaking down. Okay, like for my wedding clients, what is the amount of money I want coming in? So this would be, for me, it's the retainer, right? Like if I'm booking someone in October for a spring wedding, that retainer is going to come in in October versus the rest of it when it's going to come in next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, how many family sessions do you want to book? And what do you want to make from those family sessions? How many boudoir sessions do you want to book? And how many, how much do you want to make from those boudoir sessions? And then take those numbers and now break them down. Once you break them down into these tiny steps of like, okay, I need $10,000 and I want 5000 of that to come from my families and the 2500 from boudoir, 2500 for weddings. Mm-hmm. And then you start breaking those down all of a sudden it starts becoming a lot more manageable and you build your marketing plan literally baby step by baby step versus going, okay, well, I need $2,500 by tomorrow from weddings. And it's like, okay, well, where, where do I find those people? Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure you set your big number goal. I always link my marketing plan to a financial goal because that's the end result, right? Like even though marketing isn't a sale, it is your lead to the sale. Right. So, and I mean, that's being in business. That's our end goal is to make money and put money in the bank account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
the monetary number, two to three things that you want to concentrate on, and then assign monetary value to those two or three things and assign um, what is the, the smart goals. So something that's measurable. Okay, mm -hmm. I want 10 family clients coming right. in. That's measurable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to make, yeah, $1,500 per family. <coughs> so like 10 family clients, I want to make $25,000 from them as an example. Right. Um, and that's a measurable goal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus arbitrarily. Like, I just want to make money. Okay. That money can be a dollar or money can be a million dollars. Right. Like, which one do you want? You have to set a goal. Um, one of the books, if you guys have not read this, I think everyone knows I'm a pretty big book person at this point. Um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's an old book. Like it's almost as old as Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. Read that book. Read both of those books if you haven't read them. Um, why are you chuckling? Because my dad made me read that book when I was a kid. I read that book like five or six times. Yep. And um, last year I read this uh, really in-depth article that is um, it's kind of hilarious because um, everybody looks at Napoleon Hill as this sort of um, the people who are aware of him and, and this book as this sort of master of this mindset. Right. He was a total fucking shyster. He was a total <laughs> shyster. Like the guy was blowing so much smoke. It's not even funny. But what's funny about it is, you know, I mean, he made money from it. And yeah. uh, I mean, he marketed it well and he was successful, even though he was totally blowing fucking smoke. <laughs> well, the idea of it was given to him by Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And Dale Carnegie's, I mean, he wrote how to. Right. Uh, make friends, friends and influence and people. people. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is Dale Carnegie's fortune came from him being in the steel. Not steel, if steel. I recall. Yep, he was in the steel industry, and yep. like he didn't actually make money off of his book. Right. But he made money a being thing. a capitalist and a pretty right. terrible was, one, which was common for the era. Well, I mean, he sold to Charles Schwab, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sold to American Steel, and Charles Schwab was the one mm -hmm. who negotiated the deal, and that's where he made all his money. Uh, but the the thing is, like these are books that, yeah, my mom, like my parents, made me read when I was a kid, and I was like, eh, whatever. But now I reread them, and there is there is a lot of truth. There's a lot of good stuff it's, in it. Yeah, so I would. Uh, but my point was that that's one of the things that he, because I'm just rereading it now, is he says in there is setting deadlines and setting monetary goals. So don't just say, like, I want to be rich. Mm -hmm. What is rich to you? Right. Is it $10,000? Is it $50,000? Like, what is that number? Like, once you know that number, you can you can actually work towards it and you can materialize it a lot better than having an arbitrary number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh. All right, so we've got um, everything through planning it out. And then as far as the marketing itself, we have a whole library of past shows and podcasts that you can use to actually figure out how you want to do the marketing. 
uh, having a plan in place is really important. Go ahead. If there is enough interest, I am more than happy. I mean, I literally just redid this program mm -hmm. and did it in Georgia. I'm more than happy to do like a webinar on the five marketing strategies. Um, I mean, should we just so do that next uh, week? Uh, we can. Let's or just if there's plan enough to do that next week. I can definitely put something up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a, a perfect topic to follow this. All right. Let's see. Steve says, yes, a great photographer with average marketing skills will struggle while an average photographer with great marketing skills will thrive. Exactly. People like interaction and confident people better than perfect skill set. Uh, the experience matters more. It, it absolutely does. Yes. Yes. Define camera rich, Mike. I don't yeah. know what camera rich means. <laughs> I, think, I think Mike just wants all the cameras. He probably wants a $50,000 phase one with a whole lens library. Oh, so you <laughs> want to be gear broke. <laughs> gear broke. There you go. Camera rich, gear, gear broke. <laughs> Although, I don't know. Mike really likes the, which I agree with, I like the Micro Four Thirds format too because of the size and portability of it. That is one of the advantages of it. But if you had your phase on a tripod in the studio on wheels, that's not so bad either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's sort of portable. <laughs> sort of, yeah. All right, so uh, in the group, I'm going to post up this uh, these set of steps that you just um, ran through so people can refer back to that. And uh, what would you challenge them to do? I would say it's do exactly what this checklist is that I'm right. about to post up in the group. Get a marketing plan going. And even if it's not, you know, your marketing plan could be for the fourth quarter to get marketing in place so that in the first quarter of 2020, you make X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't, that's, I think the biggest misconception marketing is a long-term game. It's not a short-term game. So your the things that you are posting now could be resulting in money six months, a year down the road. And therefore, that's fine. As long as that's what your measurable goal is. Like there is no deadline to December 31st. It can be February or March of next year. Mm -hmm. All right. But that would be my challenge is get a marketing plan going. Mm -hmm. Get a marketing plan and going. And maybe you can do an evaluation of the marketing plans. Mm -hmm. That would be a good show too. Okay. Yeah. So, um, next week we'll do the, the program that you just did. And then maybe the following week we can, we can take marketing plans from people and actually you can evaluate them. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. All right. So I'll post this up in the group as soon as we wrap this up. Anything else that you want to add before we go, Zara? Hey, go buy biz merch, merch, go buy that, biz. Go buy that merch. Biz, biz. Yeah. Do I need to have another another coughing fit here? <laughs> I don't think coughing fit's necessary. Yeah, if you want to go buy some merch, go check it out at shp.photo slash bizmerch. Share the, share the show. Let people know. Invite them to the group. Somebody's mowing the lawn, so it's loud as fuck outside my window right now. 
Mm. That's what that? it is. Yeah, that's what it uh-huh. is. <laughs> so that's probably a perfect reason to end the show since you probably can't hear nothing but that. <laughs> but go check out the merch, well, share the podcast, share the group. Thank you so much as usual, everybody, for joining us. Anything else you want to add, Zara? Thank you. Nope. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with my coughing fit. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.